Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show podcast. Today, we got a very special guest, and this is the first post-COVID in-person episode, and there's nobody better I could think to do this with than U-Ball's founder, Tim Shields. Tim, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So, first things first, how are you doing? How's everything going? You know, just a little bit of a world crisis going on, but you're navigating through bit, it. A little bit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm going good. It's it's kind of been, it's a fun challenge to sort of navigate um, the, the different things COVID presents. And, and in particular, it's been challenging on the supply chain side in terms of getting the product that a lot of people want in people's hands in somewhat of a good time frame. And so for us, it's just been that little battle of, okay, how do we speed it up? How do we kind of work with the situation at hand? And how do we get on a good inventory schedule considering the, it takes longer to make units than you would want, or it takes longer to get units overseas and into your warehouses than you want. So you see, um, you see people always talk about the supply chain, but I don't think people really understand what that necessarily means for right, yeah. different things. What for you ball's situation, what, what does it mean? So totally. there, COVID hits right now, COVID hits wave two, uh, let's say, um, almost June, 2022 COVID hits wave two in China, right? Yep. And the factories for U-Ball are in China, mm-hmm. so they shut down a lot of stuff, therefore just delaying everything, which then, you know, then things need to be sent on a boat, then things need to be sent to you, then yep. you need to actually sell them, then you need to ship them. What kind of delays are, are there? Totally. So there, there's two main ones, but, and, and it depends on what period of COVID it was. So delay number one is the factory themselves. Hey, we have X amount of units we want to make. We need it by this date. Um, so it's in schedule for this particular season and they're ready to go. And then there's certain lockdowns that happen. And so they can't leave their house, can't make the units on the schedule that you need them to. And they basically can't do anything until certain regulations have been lifted so that they can leave their house and begin working again. So that's delay number one. And then number two um, that's, that we've definitely been experiencing is finally the factory is able to make the units um, they're done. They're ready to go. They're ready to ship them overseas to your different American warehouses. And there's a big backup at the ports. And so right. suddenly units either can't leave China or they get to whatever port you're using. A lot of times people use the port of L.A. And they get to L.A. and they just sit there for a month, two, three months. So, Damn. And then and so there and you have to still figure out a way to run your business and keep people in check and communicate with people so they understand, hey, here's why the delay's happening. It's not, we dropped the ball, we, we forgot to do our homework right. type of thing. It's, hey, there's just certain situations that so many companies are dealing with. It's not just a, a U-ball thing, but you just have to learn to <laughs> yeah, kind of figure it out and just communicate. The, uh, yeah. the, the portable basketball hoop market worldwide is just... Uh, it's, kill, it's killer right it's, now. Yeah. It's just getting... <laughs> yeah, portable basketball hoop market. It is, is the only is thing yeah. It is the only thing in the world that is having difficulties only with one, the supply only chain. One. It's, it's a, it's, we forgot to do our homework. So many millions of people are ordering portable basketball hoops that the ports just can't... They, they don't know what to do. They They're don't like, this know what... company, it's so young, but it's exploding. We, we don't know what to do with ourselves. It's having too much success... And, uh, I mean, I just got off the phone with the president. He doesn't know what to do. You've no, all, no just, you've no all selling too many <laughs> items. <laughs> the world's shutting down because um, of us. So, full disclosure, I, I invested in you all. 
Um, you know, sort of the my the way that I look at investments is literally just on a fun basis. Is totally. like how money fun. How yeah. I don't care about <laughs> money. It is how fun is this thing? Because I believe that whatever I think is the most fun, I'm gonna want to be the most involved in, and then I'm gonna want to help the most. And if I'm betting on myself while investing in these companies and betting on the other people whom. I need to know that they also think it's fun. Yeah. Like I invested in a bagel company. Nobody starts a bagel company without loving bagels. Right. People start hedge funds without loving that process. Yeah. People start, you know, all sorts of things, you know, tech startups. Most people don't enjoy that stuff. Or yeah. if they say they enjoy it, they're lying. Um, right, right, yeah. You know, whereas... You know, when when I saw Uball first on social before we even connected, I was just like, "This, this is this is fun. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. This is fun." You know, there's nothing better than you know playing playing hoops with people and anything that allows that. And the the thing that I saw immediately too, or thought when I saw it for the first time was, "Oh my god, the content opportunities here." Yeah. Because traditionally, when you have a basketball court, it is it's very expensive to build. It's only in a certain spot. The basketball court does not move unless right. there is some it sort of not, an earthquake, which is, is not a good thing. Takes a world catastrophe, yeah. Yeah, to move a basketball court. And then I, I saw U-Ball, you know, where, you know, you can theoretically bring it up to the top of a mountain and shoot Should some Should we hoops. explain what it is, I guess, Yeah, go, go, go ahead. Explain what it is. Sure. 30-second rundown of U-Ball. So U-Ball is two things. U-Ball is a new sport, and it's a new product. So the sport is U-Ball is a new grass or sand version of basketball. So think of it as like the beach volleyball version of basketball. So you play it on grass or sand. There's no dribbling. You get three steps. That's the sport of U-Ball. And it's also a product, the U-Ball hoop, which is a portable basketball hoop that you can set up wherever you want on grass or sand in a few minutes and allows you to play the sport of U-Ball. So the best way to describe it is you play the sport of U-Ball on a U-Ball hoop the way you play the sport of basketball on a basketball hoop. And then one other thing... The symmetry I usually like to give when I was talking about the, the beach volleyball thing is if you think about volleyball for a second, if we were, say, me and you were having a conversation like in the 1970s and I said the word volleyball to you in, in reference to the Olympics, all that would have meant is six-on-six six indoor volleyball. Like that's all volleyball was. But then in the 80s and 90s, they added this professional version of volleyball, beach volleyball. And over time, beach volleyball became its own individual sport, totally separate from indoor volleyball. Right. And if you look at where we are with basketball now, basketball is five-on-five five indoor basketball. That's what it is. There's no beach version of basketball. And so that's what U-ball is, a beach or grass version of basketball. And so I think there's a lot of symmetry there between the basketball space and the volleyball space. And just the basketball space hasn't been disrupted yet. Yeah, it really hasn't. People are trying, but it's all just... It's, very, a lot, it's analytic. I see a lot of analytics based innovation in basketball. It, it's so similar. It's like, all right, five on five and three on three. I don't right. see that big of a difference right. in those two. It's the same product. It's, it's the, the same, same viewing it's product. It's the same sport. It looks the same. Usually it's just not as good because all the best talent right. is in the original thing. Um, whereas I think, you know, sort of the advantage. Here, like I was saying before, you know, with the content opportunities, you can do this on the, in the most beautiful locations in yeah. the world because you're not constrained you can, to We can a, now play U-Ball in front of the pyramids or exactly. in Athens. Oh, that would be amazing. In front of the Roman Coliseum. Right. Or you could in the Coliseum. Sure. I mean, battle not? it out to the death, right? It takes us 10 minutes, um, five minutes. So, you know, I, I think that 
without the constraints of a billion dollar arena make it yeah make it give it the opportunity to be visually different totally. than three on three than four on four than one on one yeah there, i mean from a from a actual event standpoint there's definitely opportunity to make that scenery or viewing experience a little bit more you can make it a little bit more of a work of art because you can you can manipulate it you can decide oh let's do it right on this particular new york harbor or whatever right on the water we can do it right near the statue of liberty we can do it you have a lot of opportunities because you're not constrained to an arena to really have fun with it from a professional viewing experience then obviously there's the more casual experience of someone that wants their own u-ball hoop and can just sort of take it on their vacation or some cool park so what are what are the parameters it needs to just be a certain depth of any material basically what do you mean to put the hoop down and have it stay there so the 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 current version is one where you basically screw it into the ground the way you've, if you've ever seen like a beach umbrella, you screw it into the ground, throw the umbrella on top. Same thing with U-Ball, you screw it into the ground, throw the hoop on top. Um, but we have a number of add-ons coming out soon that allow different ways to basically stabilize it. So we'll have a, a, an add-on coming out soon where you don't have to screw it into the ground. It's a little bit more, a little bit closer to a more traditional portable basketball hoop, but a little bit more made with U-Ball in mind or... We're going to throw one, uh, an add-on where eventually uh, you'll be able to throw it on the back of a truck, so like a trailer hitch add-on, so at a tailgate, so you can throw up a U-ball hoop. Um, so there's a lot of different add-ons that are coming soon, um, but the original version is you screw it into the ground, throw the hoop on top. It's exciting. What's the best place you've seen somebody set up a U-ball? <sighs> there's been some cool ones. I would say um, the the Liberty State Park was cool with, with the Statue of Liberty in the background was definitely one. Um, I've seen people play it um, at the the St. Louis Gateway Arch. That's pretty cool. Really cool. That's pretty cool. Um, we're, we're not even sold outside the U.S. yet, but someone decided to take it to Greece, and like Mykonos was very cool. Wow. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of landmark opportunities, especially I just think aesthetically. So too. I think so too. Yeah, I mean, I want to see, I want to see people playing, you know, one on one outside. You ball rules in yeah, front yeah. of. I mean. You know, on the space station is probably the crazy... Or on why the moon. Not? Because you ball on the moon. We'll do Could it. you we'll imagine? We'll talk to Elon, get it on Mars. That would be nuts. Might, might you think, time, you think it could go... It could um, screw down on the Mars surface? Well, we just use the add-on for you don't have to screw it in the ground. Well, there money. you go. Yeah. Come on. You got to think ahead. <laughs> I, I'm excited for that day. Um, what What's sort of the goal here with you ball? What, what, what do you want it to provide? Totally. So I, I think the best sort of symmetry I could give is the way I guess a good starting point for what I'm trying to build here is think about when basketball was first invented in the late 1800s. So James Naismith invented basketball. He threw a peach basket on a wall in order to enter, entertain his gym class. If you could sort of go in retrospect and think, well, what if when James Naismith invented basketball, he created a company called Basketball Inc.? And Basketball Inc. is the company that makes basketballs. It's the company that sells physical basketball hoops. Mm-hmm. It's the company that runs the portable, or not the port- the, the professional basketball leagues, not mm-hmm. just in the U.S., but in Europe and in Asia. And Basketball Inc. is the company that runs this up-and-coming basketball industry. And that could have been all under one umbrella with one guy because he invented basketball. He could have created a company that is Basketball Inc. And so... I think now with this, this new up-and-coming opportunity, that's what I want to build with U-Ball is U-Ball is this new sport, but U-Ball is a company that creates 
U-Ball hoops in order for you to play U-Ball wherever you want, all the various product line and add-ons. We're going to have our pro leagues to play the sport of U-Ball professionally, college level, amateur level, and all the things related to basically, this sounds weird to say this early on, but I feel as though I'm not creating a product. I am creating an industry. And this industry is centered around the sport of U-Ball and all the parts of an industry that go into centering around a sport. And so the best way to describe it is if James Naismith had created Basketball Inc., that's the best way to describe what I'm trying to do with U-Ball is that. I love that. Love that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's um, like I, I'm trying to think of comparisons in other industries. I mean, maybe like what Walt Disney did with Disney where yeah. it was, you know, it was, it started out with the character, like with the characters and then it right. expanded to the parks, totally. but it wasn't a separate thing at all. Fall, fell under one umbrella that yep. was because of the intellectual property. Or I think, and not sorry to interrupt, but I think another one that comes to mind for me is I'm not comparing you ball to Google, but search <laughs> clearly not, but search engines could have been an, an entire industry with a lot of different players. But Google did such a good job early on to make where they were the only player in that space because they created the search engine space and they, they, they made the right moves. And because of that, search engines for better, the search engine, the, the search engine space is basically Google. There's, there's other a, players. Google is a verb, basically. Right, exactly. And yeah. so I think that's the only comparison I can truly think of of like what, what creating they did a space for the and internet. making your company yep. that whole space. I think if you look at it's not comparable for any other sport because if you think about every other sport, they were invented way early on. The guy who invented it didn't really know what he was getting himself into and it just over 50, 70 years morphed into this something way bigger than he ever thought he was getting himself into. And because of that, you piecemeal that entire industry. So for basketball, for instance, NBA gets a large piece of the pie for the U.S. professional space. You got the Euro League, the FIBA, you got Spalding, you got Wilson, and it's just a piecemeal of an entire space um, versus sort of the company that created the space being the space. Right. Well, also the difference with the NBA is the like the corporate office doesn't own the league. Right. The individual team owner is sometimes broken up into many team owners. Totally. The ones yeah, who yeah. own the league. Absolutely. When the NBA signs a $7 billion TV deal that, that's coming up as of 2022, and, you know, it's not the league office that gets the money. Adam Silver, does he runs the NBA, right. but he listens. He is called upon by the owners yeah, who yeah. really run he the works, league. Yeah, he works for the owners. Exactly. Um, so that that's sort of an interesting standpoint. Do you see there being team owners in U-Ball, or is this something that U-Ball is the league owner? Totally. I mean, I think, I mean, it'll, it'll play out over time. I think, in general, the likely model of this league will not be city-based, franchise-based. It'll be based on, um, especially early on, because if you go city-based, franchise-based, it's going to be really hard to... Um, have large amounts of people. It, early on in the league, it'll be hard to really pick out truly the best talent. And if you go city and franchise base, it's going to be easy to leave out a lot of top talent. Where I think the right way to model this traveling league, league? yeah, it would be some sort of traveling league, but where it's it, it, typically an open entry model where it's tournament based and the cream of the crop rises to the top. And I would say a, a model that comes to mind is. Um, 
maybe the PGA Tour is a good one that comes to mind. Um, the way professional volleyball is run is another one. They have a lot of... And tennis. Tennis. Basically, the open tournament style where you start to see who are the regular players who are truly the pros. And then you have a certain segment of each event or pro event open to the public in some sort of qualifying type. The big difference, though, is that those are not team sports. How, how are teams going to work? Well, volleyball. Volleyball is a team. Right, right. That's so fair. volleyball, is, so it would be an open entry. And so volleyball is basically the PGA Tour, but with teams. And so especially early on in the league, because it's so new, there's so many new players um, that you're seeing quickly, you need to have some sort of open entry model, at least for a certain segment of the players, to be able to make sure you're being efficient with picking the talent. Because if you just simply say, hey, here's our pros for this year, you could probably be leaving out a lot of top talent, um, and it would just be really inefficient in sorting out talent. So it'll be some sort of tournament to get very tournament the rounds. Based. And the way it also will work, it'll be very tournament-based, especially and then eventually, early. And then eventually rankings. Yeah, oh, uh, very, rankings will be very early. I would say right out of the gate. Um, I would say very tournament-based. And the, the model I want to do early on the pro league side will be um, less is more. So it'll be very one big event to start or one or two big events with a number of qualifiers to get into that event. Like, I want it to be, like, the Kentucky Derby. Right. I don't want it to be, like, I love the, I'm a huge NBA fan, but there are so many games. And so, it, and you're not not necessarily following every regular season game with the same intensity of, say, a playoff game. But I want, I want the initial introduction of U-Ball on the pro league side to be a big deal. And the way you do that is through scarcity and making it where it's one big thing where you put all your resources into that one or two events versus a more drawn-out type of league. You know, it, it's pretty cool, too, because you have the aspect similar to tennis where you'll have different, uh, you know, materials. Um, you'll have the grass. You'll have the sand. Totally. I guess that's a good – one other thing, I guess, to – sorry to interrupt, but yeah, go ahead. to throw in is one other thing is if you think about sort of tennis, for example, just to, to mm-hmm. add on your point is – Tennis is the same sport, but it has different court styles, too. You can play tennis on a clay court. Yep. You can play tennis on a grass court. Yep. You can play on a hard court, but it's the same sport. Mm-hmm. Same thing with U-Balls. You can play U-Ball on a grass court, or you can play it on a sand court. But it's or still theoretically U- even in the water. Sure. I mean, uh, I mean, for now, I think it'll be very grass and sand-based to start because a big component of it is the number of steps you get. Um, so very much will be grass and sand based season 10 in space. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll put, we'll put the Mars. We got to think through the Mars rules more. Um, but yeah, very grass and sand based to start is the two main court styles for you ball. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think term, I think to start I, the, when we, as we've been introducing you ball, it's been very sand focused cause it's a little bit more jumps out to you aesthetically. Um, but in terms of, a, a down the road pro league, I, my guess would be is it's much more there, the, there's maybe 75% grass based versus sand based just because the viewing product is better in terms of the, the, the players allowed to be faster. There's a lot more bounce, a lot more explosiveness versus sand is great because it, it's a cool scenery, great vibe. It's very party feel and it's great for diving because you can just dive wherever on sand, but it's there. There's not quite that same level of explosiveness and speed. Um, and, and I think that's a lot of what makes basketball and a version of basketball fun to watch is the athleticism the speed um and so what we've seen at least early on is from a pure in a vacuum viewing product grass is like really awesome yeah from like a pro league standpoint and 
sand is great for the scenery and the, the general feel, but the viewing product is awesome, but grass is just really great. How long do you think it'll take people to get used to not dribbling? And is that a... I don't think it, it, I don't think it takes as long as you think. I mean, when you're first playing, if you're you're, you're playing your first ever game of U ball, yeah, you're gonna probably if you're hooping every day and you're suddenly <laughs> playing U ball for the first time, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna dribble. Probably just, <laughs> that's just your muscle memory. But I mean, from what we've seen so far, like once you play like ten minutes of a game max, like you get you get a feel for the rules. Okay, here's how it works. I get my three steps, and what you start to see is like a really incredible ball movement, and the ball's flying around and. I think, like especially considering the, the the Warriors have had such a good run, and I think they're one of the most fun teams to watch in basketball. If you think about what makes the Warriors so fun to watch, is they have beautiful ball movement. Guys are always moving around. It's not ISO heavy. Everyone's involved, and that that is a a stock U ball game. It's not like <laughs> good fundamentals, good right. coaching. That is a basic U ball game. Is the ball is flying around. You have to keep it moving. Everyone's involved because that's the way you play the game. And I think the other thing that was interesting um, about the rules of U-Ball is it actually takes basketball back to its core. So when James Naismith first invented basketball, there wasn't dribbling. That was added later. It initially started without dribbling. You get it as, you got a certain... Because he invented it on grass. Well... Creating the baskets. Maybe, yeah. The, I don't, the peach I don't, baskets. Yeah, yeah. It definitely was peach baskets. I, I'm not very familiar with what surface he started mm-hmm. on. And maybe it was grass. I just know... I remember the, the photos of him with the basket on grass. Sure. Okay, so maybe it was. So, so yeah. that, that I mean, that even adds to a... I think what's kind of interesting about U-Ball, too, is it takes a lot of the rules of the original game of basketball actually back to its core. Um, the dribbling part was added later. Um, and so I think that's really kind of interesting and nostalgic, too, about you, Dude, the fact that it gets everybody involved, that, that's my favorite thing that you've said so far. I mean, that's what it should be. And I think this is something that, you know, like the sport aside, all camps should have because yep. it's much more inclusive than traditional basketball where totally. there's always that one kid that's like 100 times better than everybody Gotta else. Got to get hooped to the I Promise school. Dude, that would be cool. That's a great idea. Um, but all, all camps, dude, it's like, you know, I, I think anything that requires, uh, you know, community involvement and uh, cooperation and totally. I mean, you know, all that and, stuff and, is just good for upbringing. It's for good sure. for youth. And, and, and what's nice, like the rules are so simple, so it's so teachable. It's like you don't have to have this elite level of coordination right out of the gate or else you're going to risk looking bad. Like in basketball, again, I love the game of basketball, but – if you're dribbling a ball for the first time and you've not been practicing for a while, you're gonna, you're definitely not gonna look very coordinated. Um, yeah. And so what's nice too is is the rules are so simple that it's so easy to pick up for anyone, no matter what your skill level is. And but it's one where it's really simple rules, so like anyone can pick it up. But at the higher levels, there's still a lot of strategy you can take into it because the ball is always moving. You got to be drawing up different pick plays, off ball pick plays. Or is it def- like what ping pong is to tennis, U ball to basketball? Oh, I would. Or what hope is the not. difference? I would hope not. I would. I, think <laughs> of, I would absolutely hope not. I, I I think of ping pong as sort of. I mean, ping pong's great, but uh, it, Olympic it's sort of, ping pong is pretty crazy. Though. Yeah, it very much is. No, I, it's it's high level. It, it, I think of that as very. I mean, clearly, U ball's the littlest of brothers to basketball. My again, when I when I say some of these things, it is not over a three to five year period. It's like a over maybe twenty, thirty year period. My goal is eventually you balls thought of as like a brother to basketball. Is mm-hmm. is the goal. I mean it's not right. gonna happen anytime soon. 
but the goal is you balls thought of as like that brother to basketball. Yeah, the beach that, volleyball, which the beach volleyball. Yeah, I'd say beach volleyball is more popular than indoor volleyball. Right. To the regular outside right, non-volleyball yeah, yeah. fan. Definitely. I mean, you don't drive by and see somebody playing indoor volleyball for obvious reasons. But, right, yeah. Um, you know, anytime you go to a beach, literally anywhere, yeah. you see people, people playing beach volleyball. Totally. So it, and, it is interesting that and, there and, isn't and, that. And what I definitely want to make sure is clear is U-Ball is not a competitor to basketball. U-Ball takes place in basketball's offseason. I, I never want to have it set up where U-Ball would ever be competing with basketball. It's... I wanted to very much be a compliment to basketball. And when the NBA Finals ends is kind of when U-Ball season begins. And so guys that just love hooping, period, can get a new version of it, a, a, a alternate version of it in the basketball offseason. Um, so that, that, that's the other thing is I don't want ever to, it to ever have to be basketball versus U-Ball. It's very much, I think, good compliments right. to each other. Yep. No, that ma- that makes perfect sense. Um, I I, th- I think that's a good note. And NBA players like doing it too. I saw that video of Lonzo. Yeah, Lonzo, uh, Drew Holiday Ball. loves it. Um, I, it it's funny. It, different guys like it for different reasons. A couple of different guys like it more for the casual. Let's just have fun on a vacation or on the beach sort of thing. Um, but some guys like using it for for training purposes because running in the sand is is, is quite the workout. Um, and so a, d- a different way to train and it's pretty easy on your joints. Um, so it, that's, it's, that's it's a really, really interesting point too. So it's, it's really low impact. If you're playing on right. sand, sand's really low impact. Grass is regular impact from what you see in football or whatever. Right. Uh, but sand's super low impact. That's interesting. In terms of just playing it, have you seen people playing in the water as well? Like putting it on the, on the Not sand? Not really. Shallow? I mean, I'll see people throw it sort of in a yard in a nearby pool. I mean, I don't right. see a bunch of the pool base. The water base is not much of the focus right now. The, the focus is very much grass and sand considering how much real estate that covers on the earth and just how, how often people are there. Water's awesome, but not really the, the true focus of the company now. But, I mean, it's, it's a clear, obvious thing to throw in there. Right. For sure. Yeah, man, it's, it's going to be exciting. What's the timeline looking like? When do you want a league to happen? Or does it start? Uh, does it, how does this start? Totally, yeah. So it, the, the way we're approaching it is sort of staggering the product part of the company and the league part of the company in terms of the product part of the company is first um, because I want to make sure the units are readily available to people. So as they start seeing the sport in a more professional legit competition setting, units are available for people. So the next year, probably two years, focused very much on the product side. And I would say within the next two years, we'll start really introducing the league. Um, probably one big event to start either, I don't know, one big city, either LA, New York, or wherever would make sense. But I would say two years before the league's really a, a big focus because, um, I mean, the, the, the supply chain issues, again, are making it a little bit harder to move on the product side as fast as we would want. Right. Um, but definitely product first so it's available for everyone so that when you start promoting the league and this new sport and this the competitive side of this new sport, people are ready to get their own their own U-Ball hoop when, when they start seeing it and want to play for themselves. Right. And it's a lot more accessible than, I mean, you know, obviously this isn't the NBA's goal. The NBA's goal is just to sort of raise the awareness of basketball and get more people playing right. basketball and enjoying it because at the end of the day it is content. That's where 
if you look at the majority of dollars that flows totally. in, it's the TV. It's not yeah. the, you know, basketball hoops. But to get an industrial-sized, you know, NBA arena-type hoop, ten to $20,000? Yeah, and it's sometimes more. Or, or think about this. Like, a big focus of the NBA right now is their Africa initiative. NBA Africa is, a, is an awesome initiative, awesome program. Yeah. And think of it. I mean, with U-Ball now, we can get hoops to all of those different villages for such a fraction of the cost and such a fraction of the time. It's so needed, dude. Yeah. It's I mean, so it's, needed. I mean, it, it's something we have sort of in our pipeline. I think again, working through these supply chain it's issues, just about getting all the units. Right. I mean, I, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's not uh, to be, to clarify, these are units that have been on the market. People are getting them now. We have the next wave of units we're waiting on basically. And they're, they're coming soon. Um, but just that's, that's, that's the one next thing we're working on. But um, thinking through the Afri- U-Ball's Africa initiative is very important because it's so obvious. It's so, obvious. so obvious. It's a fraction of the cost. You can do it basically in a week if you want. Mm-hmm. If you had enough units, you could get most every village in Africa in a week. We could, we could get units there. Because, I mean, <laughs> you set pretty... these things up and you get it set up in 10 minutes. There, you now have a U-Ball court wherever you want. Yeah, that, that's pretty crazy to think about. Um, how many do you want to get to Africa? As many as possible. I mean, again, I this, uh, I haven't done like legit research on it. Um, right. A bit but the, I, yeah. The the, the the I I mean, I think what I would say is the goal would be basically every village in Africa at least has two to four full courts. So maybe two full courts per village. I think it would make a lot of people happy, dude. It would make a lot of people it happy. Just say, I mean, it's, it's a lot of hard work, and it's it's very early on. So there, there's a lot of things U-Ball needs to to get moving on, on on its end, especially just kind of working through these supply chain issues, which, again, are temporary, but a, a, a slight delay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's super exciting. And it's just like the thing that I could talk on for hours is just the amount of different roads you could take U-Ball, the, the, the Africa Initiative, pro league side just the general product line and the number of different versions that will be coming out with soon enough either new versions of the u-ball hoop we have the u-ball hoop 2.0 coming out and then the different versions of the add-on all different routes you could take the pro league um it's really exciting Uh, the amount of doors that are available and ready to be opened as as we keep building this thing and then there's the whole content side of it too which we haven't even talked about like this is a media company a product and a league, yeah, all at the same time, which is which is very exciting on its own. Um, and and to touch on the content too, like that's like on top of your enthusiasm, which has been very clear in this podcast. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. You know, am I speaking too loud? And no, no, no. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I, I think the fun that there is in it, how many people it can make happy. Like I yeah. do think that generally this is a great product for the world yeah, because from an access standpoint, like you said, it costs so much more to build a court in a lot of places that don't have access to this sport. Yep. You know, I think that's the reason why soccer is the biggest sport in the world. It's because the, how little friction there is to access it. Um, you know, soccer is, I think like just take, um, I think the easiest way to analyze how much bigger soccer is than basketball is take the biggest soccer player in the world, Cristiano Ronaldo he has almost four times the size of the audience that LeBron James does That's on insane. every platform. That is insane. Um, and 
in some countries where soccer is bigger than basketball, they don't even have access to yeah. those platforms. So factor those in too. And, and you're 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 saying music to my ears. First of all, like the the two points I I always make about you ball on the sports side is I think if you look at all of the different major global sports, they have really two main things in common. Um, it's so easily accessible, either in the scenery or whatever, and the rules are relatively simple. Like, for as you said, if you look at soccer, grass is accessible everywhere. Pretty much, if you have a basic dirt, I mean, you can do ball, it on dirt. dirt. If you have a basic spherical ball, you can set up two sort of even two rocks for the goal. You can yeah. play soccer. Number one on the scenery side, and then number two, the rules themselves are so simple, so it's so easy to learn, and 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 you can pick it up at pretty low skill levels and, and learn the game of soccer on, on a basic level. And then as you grow, you can play it in a much more advanced way, much more strategic, much more intellectual. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's two versions of it. And I think with U-Ball, A, it has the accessibility side. Now any grass area can be turned into a U-Ball court with a snap of a finger, number one. And then number two, the rules are so simple. It's no dribbling. You get your three steps. Anyone can play this thing. The ball's flying around on an introductory level, and then on a more professional, sophisticated level, there's so much strategy that can go into it, so much intellect that can go into it in terms of drawing plays, or oh, do we want to do our off-ball pick Can you here? go behind the hoop? Currently, you can. I think the way eventually, when the, when the pro league really starts to get more established and you have to do more, not arena, but like a much more stands um, and, and things like that, I think eventually we might, at least for pro league events, have to a cut off somewhere. Have to cut it off somewhere, just from a safety standpoint, and you need right. an audience section. Um, so I think there's definitely a chance we might have to um, look into dialing that back. But currently, yes, people go behind the hoop. That's the way. That one of the other rules is there is an out of bounds, so you can sort of have an X man the way there is in lacrosse, or we can go behind the hoop in hockey. There's that <laughs> element in U ball. Yeah. Um, so we'll see just from a scenery standpoint and a logistic standpoint if we can make that work on a pro league side. But we'll play that by ear. But you're, you're right. It's the access to basketball that has traditionally never existed Correct. before. Because, again, yeah, I mean, installing, installing a legit basketball court is expensive and takes a long time, typically, especially in hard-to-reach areas, for example, like an African village. Right, right. And, you know, obviously you see amazing things being done, but it's hard to do that at scale. Totally. That's exactly. Like, there's so many people with great intentions and are they're putting a good dent in making basketball more accessible everywhere. But the logistics are tough to install a legit court to play the sport the way it's meant to be played versus maybe there's a different version of it that would allow this to happen right. 100x easier. And I mean, dude, that the content from around the world of, like, of the kids having access to a sport that they've never had access to. You know, I think I think it's things like this that put basketball on another level with cricket, which is bigger than basketball, soccer, which is bigger than basketball. Yep. Um, you know, I think it I think it could make it put it closer. Totally. And, and again, that's the goal of U ball is never, as I said earlier, never to compete with basketball. The goal is to bring basketball only to better heights as best as we can. Because um, I mean, I. The game of basketball is a huge part of my life. It always has been. I've never been that good physically, but I've always loved um, the, the the intellect of it, the strategy right. of it, and just I mean, I, from from Allen Iverson to you name it. I, I mean, I've I've grown up just obsessed with the game of basketball, 
And the goal is just only to expand it further if possible. What was the inspiration for you, Ball, starting it? Oh, yeah. So it, it started, I mean, it was pretty basic. It was, I was on a family vacation, um, and, and I'm one of four kids. And so what we do is we always play two-on-two basketball. So it's me and the youngest brother versus my older sister and sort of the middle, the middle brother. Um, and so there was a particular vacation where we couldn't find a, a nearby blacktop to play. And so that was sort of the, the conception of the idea is, oh, wow, there's no court nearby. What if there was like a sand version, basically, was mm-hmm. the real, um, the initial sort of conception of it. And so then what we did is my sister and I, we, we put together this unbelievably ugly wood backboard prototype where we had, we, we painted it black. We got this white, we got white tape to be the square and it wasn't even portable yet. And we took it to a nearby beach, Virginia Beach, set it up. And this thing was insanely ugly. But as, as ugly as it was, there was just this wait list of people that wanted to play. And so that was the first data point. Of like, okay, that's weird. Like, as ugly as this little this hoop is, like, there's a wait list of people that want to play. Right. And so that was what got that started. So that was the start of my second year in college. At, I, I went to University of Virginia before I dropped out, which I'll get to. Um, and so the next data point for me was that spring break of, of my second year. So I, I, I kept getting some good data points. I won a little small entrepreneurship competitions for a thousand here, 2000 there, either through the school or nearby. And so I drove 14 hours by myself to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And, um, I thought this would be like my crowning moment of like, okay, I have this really cool new invention. It's an ugly hoop, but I think people will like it. It's going to be a rush of spring breaks. It's going to be crazy. This is going to be awesome. I set it up. I'm immediately getting heckled by, like, everyone. Um, just like, okay, what's this douchebag doing? Like, you see, <laughs> he's got a hoop. What is he doing here? Um, so I, I, I get through the hecklers, and then I finally set it up. I'm like, okay, they're going to see once I set this thing up. I, once I set it up, immediately these police officers come over like, hey, listen, man, this is clearly like a homemade prototype sample type thing. Can we, can you, you can't set this up here. Like we're, we're not trying to have all these extra variables during your, during this spring break. We have enough to worry about. I'm going to have to ask you to take it down. So I have to take it down immediately, walk past the same hecklers. So it's nine o'clock at night. I'm like, I drove 14 hours to go to Fort Lauderdale to like show off my awesome invention to the, the public. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to drive. I, I drove to the police station at nine at night and I just basically plead with them, like, listen, this is only a value add for your spring break. If anything, it's going to get kids' minds off of drinking 5%, maybe barely. But it's, it's only a good thing to have. And they're like, okay, fine, this is actually pretty cool. What we'll do is this. Like, we'll give you a list of names to use if they ask you to take it down again tomorrow. So I go set it up the next day. The same police officers ask me to take it down. I mentioned a couple names. And they're like, okay, fine. We'll let you set it up for an hour. But after an hour, we're going to have to ask you to take it down again. So I set it up, and then after that hour, it was just the rest was history. Like, there's just this huge crowd of people started playing it. Everyone was loving it. And then the, the moment I knew I had something special was when a day later, those same police officers were playing U ball. I'm like, okay, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, That's we got great. something here. We got something here. That's really good. And so good. that was like, okay, all right, I'm really going to go all in on this. Like, to see that turnaround and to see the reaction, I'm like, okay, I've got something special. Now it's officially shifted to the logistics of how I get this to be a real product on the market, finally, like final engineering manufactured at scale. Mm -hmm. This needs to become real on the logistical side. And so that was that next journey 
was like getting it to the point of like, okay, got, I, I've proven this concept. And you were in college at this time? In college. So that was my second semester of my second year in college. To, at the end of my second semester at University of Virginia, there was a big entrepreneurship competition uh, for $50,000. They like fly in these Microsoft execs to be the judges. <laughs> Basically, it's like a competition for uh, the, the quote unquote best startup at UVA. Right. Um, either UVA and then also the business school, grad school also c- could compete. And so um, Ubal was able to win that. And so we, the $50,000, that, at that very moment, I'm like, all right, I'm dropping out. Like, I've got Amazing. something here. I'm Amazing. moving on this. I would regret it so badly if I didn't move on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I dropped out, have not looked back, pretty Good. much gave up my entire life to do this. Stopped pretty much going out completely. I have great friends, but I kind of stopped hanging out with friends pretty much at all. You or gotta do that at some point. Um, and I literally, I, I, I'm a very hyper focused kind of guy, mm-hmm. and so I just like went so all in on it. Where like my entire life is like centered around you ball, and has been since that. Yeah, you're like me, dude. That's that's what's up. You gotta, you gotta. It's funny. It's like you really. People are always like, "Well, you can." You can do everything. You can uh, you can party. You can focus <laughs> on your business. You can do this. You can have all those friends who don't have the same you know sort of goals. But right. I uh, I don't think that's the case whatsoever. Not necessarily. Well, definitely not early. Like it, it kind of like for example, like at I think as you start to progress and get more established, I think you can start inserting balance back into your life. But I think in the early stages, you can't do sweat balance. equity. You can't do balance whatsoever. And I just think in the early stages of building a business, you have to do a bunch of unscalable things. And so what, what comes with that is not balance. Um, to get it to a point where it's, it starts to be established, you start to make the transition from building the thing yourself to building the people that build the thing. And yeah, that's I mean, when you start to have a business that runs itself to a certain extent. And then you can potentially insert more balance back in your life. But early on, you can't have any semblance of balance. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, the um the alternative to that is you take funding at a very low value and then you're giving up more than you should right. because it's so early. So either it's that or you do things that you shouldn't be doing, right. which means like working all night and all day yeah. and then all night again. Yeah. Um but I think that you know every everybody has to have that moment and that that sort of tells you if um if you're going to be for real with it. Yeah. You know? Oh my God. Because uh, most people, most people burn out. But I think the only, the only like um, kryptonite for the disease of burnout is passion. It's passion and right. Well, I, I think it's passion one. I think number two. I I think it's being able to see what it could be. I I think there's a difference sometimes between that and the and passion because. I, I think there's been different times in Uval where I'm clearly very passionate about this, but there's times where I'm like, this sucks. This is very miserable. I don't like doing this. But what drives me in those moments is not necessarily passion as much as it is. I can see the vision. I can see the image of like a crowd of people in New York City watching a game of Uball. I can see the, the image of Uball in Dick's Sporting Goods. And I can see the image of Uball whatever it is and and, and 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 that image makes it where it's like I clearly have no choice but to keep going cuz yeah. it's just so duh it's so yeah, obvious it's so I can obvious. see the picture like yeah. I would be so more like I would be so miserable if I didn't 
get to the point where I can see that picture is real because mm-hmm. that picture is real. It is going to happen. It's just there's a there's a window of time of hard work you have to be putting in to get in to get to that point. So I think sometimes there's moments where there's a difference between passion and seeing the a difference between passion and seeing the vision and seeing what you're building. And I, I think sometimes there's a difference. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely have to have the vision. Because nobody's going to believe in anything nearly as much as you do. Like, I see the vision for you ball and that, but I don't even see it. I didn't even see it as clearly as you just described it until you just described right. it. But I still believed in it right, enough right. to invest <laughs> yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's funny how those things are. And, you know, everything always takes, I, I want to say, two to three times longer than you think Wait. it will. And it, think of, like, any big company that you've ever seen that's like, wow, they exploded really recently – you look them up, and you're like, oh, they were, they are way older than I realized. It, but it, that's just the way it goes. Like the best thing, I, the best, my favorite analogy ever is is the way Chinese bamboo trees grow. So basically, the way Chinese bamboo trees grow is you plant the seed, you water it every day for five years, and in that five years, it never once grows above the surface. All of the growth <laughs> happens below the surface, and then at the end of five years, it grows like. 80 feet in the air in like two weeks. And like, that's the way building a business is, Mm -hmm. is it does not, there is a a very extended period of time that is almost always longer than you think where all of the growth is happening, not visibly either in yourself or in the business, neither finding what your actual niche is in your business, whatever it is, there's an extended period of time where you have to be watering it every day, knowing that all the growth is happening, not visibly and beneath the surface and then you have your breakthrough where the growth is exponential and it seems like it happened overnight. And I, I think it's very difficult to do nowadays too, especially the way that, you know, y- the youth's dopamine sensors are wired because of yeah. social media. I think it's, it's very underrated how difficult it is to actually have a medium, you know, timeline for a company that you're starting. Yeah. I, I think definitely that I'd say on the flip side though, there's never been a better and easier time to market what your business is for sure there's never been an easier time sure. to validate an idea i think fast too fast i think one tiktok and you totally, know whether exactly. your thing is good or not that's what i'm saying is like yep. there's, there's really never been a better time to start a business especially from the marketing and awareness side i think it, especially if you're doing a physical product that there's always going to be the 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 longer period of time for things supply chain related um i think if you're doing something more in the, the software space you don't have to deal with that if at all. Um, but I think from a marketing and awareness side, it's never been a better time by far, obviously. Um, and I think yeah. it just these days like you could have a TikTok tomorrow that changes your life. It's true. You could literally post anything and become yeah. worldwide. Yeah. Who was the guy that was on the, the skateboard or whatever and had that juice in his hand? Skateboarder with juice. There was like a skateboarder, oh, an older the, guy. Yeah, with the grape juice. Yeah, whatever it was. But yeah, like, yeah it was one, one TikTok. Yeah, it, it wasn't like, like he was going followers. viral all the time before that. Yeah, it's just good vibes. Yeah, exactly. It's good vibes. Life changed. Um, but that, that, that's, you know, what I, I see with you ball all the time. I mean, it's just the content of people playing oh basketball in places that people haven't played basketball. Oh I mean, it's as good as it gets yeah. playing at the beach, playing on sand. I'm excited for trick shots. I'm going to do some more stuff with that. And trick shots will be fun. And yeah. I, I think one, one tweak we're making to the U ball hoop 2.0, um, versus the U ball hoop, the original U ball hoop is, um, it, very subtle, but 
pretty much the exact same product, but we're making slight tweaks where the rim diameter is now full size instead of the, the original one is slightly smaller um, than um, a regulation diameter. And then we're making the ball slightly bigger. So it's going to be a size five ball versus the original U-ball who got a size four ball. And the reason for that was um, in, in the early sort of data we were getting was there was not nearly enough outside jump shots. And so the spacing wasn't that good. And so, or it wasn't as good as it could be. And it was too centric around, around the rim, hook shots, layups and dunks. Um, and so we're making that, uh, that's very subtle, but, but tweak to help spacing and jump shots and things like that. And it'll make trick shots also, especially better. Right. Is there going to be a line? Are there going to be different point denominations? Well, it'll be like, it'll be just generations. Yeah. So it'll be like the iPhone two, iPhone three. I, iPhone I mean, four. for the actual, for the actual game, are there going to be two pointers, three pointers? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There will be. Exactly. The, the, the way the rules are now, it's ones and twos. Got it. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a two point line. Exactly. Absolutely. It really helps for spacing. Interesting. And variation. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm excited, man. I, I love your passion for it. I think um, I think it's definitely inspiring for anybody that that's thinking about starting a product related company because it is not easy, as I you can know. That. You can definitely I can verify, verify that. that. Um, four or five years of my life have gone into this. But you know, you all if you get, if you're passionate about it, it, always comes out the other side. And hats off to you, you know, that it is a profitable company. Yeah, I think that's the coolest part about it. Yeah. this early because you know as we know most companies that raise money most companies that you know are new are just burning it's just yeah. a slow burn to right. death right um well so. and that's especially especially in a, a software or a social media type space you're gonna be very cash burn heavy when you have a, a physical product it's not nearly as much a cash burn model um as as you are let's say you're starting a new type of social media Right, because um, if you, you don't sell to, them, it's zero. It's not negative. Media. Like if you're starting a company like that, it's all about hey, we got to show our users, um, things like that. The the monetization of that happens way later, uh, versus when you have a physical product company, it's much more straightforward in terms of profitability versus like the cash burn model. Yeah, I mean, if you're being smart about it and not you know hiring a ton of people, <laughs> right? Of course, of course, yeah. yeah. That's that's how <laughs> these guys are burning. Um, well, cool, man. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on here and talking about you ball story. I think, you know, everybody's excited about this and, uh, you know, you, you ball for president 202036 and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, and you're gonna have to come back on, uh, annually and, uh, update everybody. We'll do updates. Yeah, we'll do updates for sure. All right, everybody. So where can people find U-Ball and, and get one when they can? Totally. So on the website, the website is uballshop.com, and you can I, the main platform we use right now are TikTok and Instagram, at U-Ball. Great handle. Great handle. All right, brother. This is awesome. Love. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.